From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome back to the show. It's good to be on the New Blue Review with you on this Monday morning. Hope you had a fabulous weekend and you're looking forward to the week ahead. Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing you a great show today. And uh, in order to do that, we are going to the place that has uh, a lot of maple syrup, uh, a very attractive prime minister, and um, Mounties. Uh, that's right. Uh, and we're going to be finding out all about them because we are talking today to Ilan Osri. He is from Hillel, Ontario, and he's the Director of Advocacy and Issues Management. We're going to be finding out what is it like to be a student in Canada uh, if you're Jewish. Ilan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Blue Review. Thank you so much for having me, Benji. So first of all, I, I don't know if South Africans would be familiar. What What is Hillel all about? What does it do? Sure. Uh, so Hillel is an international movement, started primarily in the United States and has now spread to many other countries, uh, including here in Canada. Hillel is generally, although not always, a student-led movement. Uh, in places like Russia, it services more than just students. But in most places in the world, it is a campus-based organization for Jewish students' life and learning. Okay. Uh, many people don't seem to know much about Hillel if you haven't uh, spent time on a university campus, especially in North America. What I would say is that Hillel's main commitment is to engage Jewish youth on campus and to uh, increase the presence of Judaism on campus. But most importantly, they are there to advocate for the Jewish students to engage on Jewish issues and uh, Israel as well, and uh, to educate on both what is Israel, uh, Israeli history and everything under that sun, and as well as Jewish education, uh, both in a uh, religious and pluralistic uh, manner. So give us a sense about your story. I mean, how did you come uh, to be doing this work on Hillel, and why did you feel like it's important? Sure. So um, when I was in my first year of university, which was in 2009, I was studying at Carleton University, which is in Ottawa, our nation's capital. And uh, when I began there, I uh, you know, was somewhat involved with Hello Ottawa. I wasn't uh, a huge, uh, hugely engaged student there. Um, but um, in my second year, I became more engaged, and I became part of what's known as the IAC, which is the Israel Awareness Committee, which is basically an arm of Hillel, Ontario, that does Israel engagement, education, and advocacy. Um, and my role was the uh, more communication side of that team. We were a very small team, a team of five. And it was the first year that uh, BDS had really popped its head out, uh, at least on the Canadian side. And uh, while we had seen it in some other ca- uh, campuses, we hadn't seen it yet in Ottawa. And so um, some students from SIA, which stands for Students Against Israeli Apartheid, the anti-Israel club on campus. Uh, they put forward a BDS resolution to our student union, and uh, it was sort of on uh, our five shoulders to deal with it. Uh, we didn't really know exactly what we were dealing with. We knew why we needed to fight it, um, but we didn't really have the tools available to us to make it the full-fledged fight, especially with uh, the uh, small amount of students we were working with. Um, luckily, we were successful in defeating that resolution um, through our connections with the student union. But I think more to the point is that I realized that Hillel serves more than just a place to have Shabbat dinners. As we say here at Hillel, Ontario, 
it's more than just the chicken that's on the table. It's really about the people greeting you at the door. And it's the Hill of Professionals that work with the students day in and day out throughout the school year to help them deal with all sorts of issues under the sun of being a student on campus, especially a Jewish student on campus. Well, it's interesting um, that you so mentioned that, actually, uh, you yeah. know, just uh, to, to interrupt you there, but the, the, the Israel side of it, I mean, we have these uh, apartheid weeks that have now spread over the world. I think many people don't know that it actually is a, a Canadian invention. Yes, uh, and we, uh, on behalf of all the Canadian Jews, all, all, we'll, we'll, we'll send out an apology. I will note, um, though, that Israel Apartheid Week, at least in North American campus, I haven't seen data in other places, uh, but it is a diminishing effort. Uh, people are starting uh, to engage less with it. We see less uh, and less students uh, promoting it on campus. It's become something that's uh, deemed to be, let's call it an old tactic. Uh, it was started in, I believe, 2007 at University of Toronto in downtown Toronto. Um, but since then, uh, at least the campuses that Hill Ontario services, uh, we see it uh, on uh, you know one or two of our total nine campuses. Um, and when it comes, it is, of course, something we keep our eye on and something we uh, make sure our students uh, are aware of. But we have seen quite drastic decline in the engagement of the average student on campus uh, to those events. And I can anecdotally talk about that if you want, although we can get into a little bit more if you'd like. Yeah, I think we, we can talk about that uh, in a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it. I just want to uh, kind of interrupted your story. You, 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 you did your, your, your work in Ontario, um, uh, in, in Hillel, excuse me, and, and you lived in Israel for a while as well. That's right. So uh, after uh, that year um, fighting BDS, I uh, made the decision that I would go and, uh, quote, fight the real fight is the way I put it, at least in that year. And I uh, made Aliyah, I moved to Israel, and I joined the army. At the same time, my sister, uh, who's about two years younger than me, did as well. Uh, and um, we uh, joined the IDF. I uh, served in what's called the Combat Search and Rescue Forces of the Home Front Command. You might be familiar with my units, as they're the ones sent to uh, Haiti and Nepal and Mexico and other places where there are natural disasters. My sister served as a um, commander in a course where if you are interested in becoming um, Jewish and you are not Jewish yet, you can convert through her course. Um, and so through the, uh, we both served about two years. Uh, I joined once I was already 21, so I didn't do the full three years. Uh, and she, uh, as a female non-combat soldier, she served two years as well. Um, our time in the Army was spent in very different places, but um, we both uh, went for similar reasons. Um, and following the end of the Army, I had one year left on my degree. Um, and so after I finished the Army, I came back to Ottawa uh, to finish it up. So did you ever have and, uh, to end up get... in Haiti or any place like that? I'm sorry? Did you ever end up in places like Haiti or anything like that, or were you mostly based No, so uh, those units that are sent are the reserve units. Um, so when you're in what's called Sadir or steady service, um, you stay in country. Uh, should there be some terrible, a terrible um, natural disaster somewhere requiring all of my um, units, which is a very large brigade, um, then I'm sure they would send us, but they first send reservists to outside the country um, places, and then uh, should there need a, to be a follow-up, they would send uh, other units as well. Um, if, as an example, the unit that I uh, was a part of for my reserve unit um, was sent to Nepal. I was in Canada at the time and wasn't in reserve uh, duty, um, but the unit that I am a part of was sent there. Um, so only once you leave steady service, you're finished your regular service, um, do you become part of those uh, sorts of units? 
Very interesting. We're talking to Ilan Osri on 101.9 High FM New Blue Review today. We're uh, going to take a short break and listen to some music. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll be talking about his role on campus uh, with, uh, with the students. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. We're back with 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. We're talking to Ilan Osri. Uh, he is from uh, Hillel uh, in Canada, in the province of Ontario. And uh, we're talking today about what is it like to be uh, a Jewish student uh, in Canada and uh, just being uh, Jewish uh, in general and, and what other issues over there. Ilan, uh, something I wanted to uh, talk to you about, because you sort of mentioned it at the beginning, that Hillel is, is, a, is a sort of much broader thing than just people talking about Israel and doing Israel advocacy, which is what we sort of started in about. Has that been a problem for Hillel? I mean, was it always, uh, did it always have this this issue that it, you know, that the Israel stuff sort of tends to maybe overtake the, the rest of the programmatic agenda? Um, I wouldn't say that that's been a systemic problem. Uh, as far as I know, and to be frank, I've only been a Hillel employee for a little under two years now. Um, my knowledge of the Hillel umbrella, so to speak, the global movement, um, is that they provide a lot of assistance in various areas, but our three main areas are engagement, education, and advocacy. And when it comes to advocacy, I would say that um, most of the Hillel professionals, especially uh, in North America, um, deal with advocacy as it comes up uh, more as an issues-based agenda, or they have a proactive advocacy agenda where they're trying to engage in various areas, um, not just Jewishly or Israel-wise, but it could be in the LGBTQ plus space, it could be with um, the African-American community, it could be with uh, various minority communities that uh, uh, you know, recognize um, the same struggles that we have recognized in the past. Uh, multi-faith uh, initiatives are, of course, very, very important to Jewish community um, uh, to our Jewish community, and on campus, we try and do a lot with our partners. Now, every university is different. Some are small, some are big, um, and the amount of resources on those campuses depend um, solely on professionals who are there, um, both part of the university and not part of the university. Um, but I would say that with the students, in, if a Hill student, whether they are a very engaged or not very engaged student, if they have an interest in Israel advocacy or in any sort of advocacy, um, then there is the platform to do what they're interested in doing under the umbrella of Hillel. Um, I think that generally sums up the strategy. The one thing to note with um, Hillel as a movement globally is that uh, Hillel has standards uh, in terms of um, uh, uh, guiding how we make partnerships on campus around Israel. And so we are very uh, careful that we make partnerships uh, around Israel with clubs um, who are in support of Israel to the extent that they recognize Israel's right to exist. We wouldn't, for example, um, work with a club who outright denied Israel's right to exist as a Jewish uh, homeland, nor would we work with a group that um, you know uh, promoted um, anti-Semitism on campus or anything of that sort. No. North American campuses, I mean, I think it's probably more of an American phenomenon, but uh, uh, Ontario in particular actually has, I think, a bit of a reputation for some of what we call identity, identity politics. Uh, you know, the, the, I think the famous one that came out of Ontario 
was a law that they wanted to pass that would make it criminal to mispronounce if someone was a he or a she, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it, it got quite a lot of airtime. Can you give us a bit of background to, like, are the campuses really as bad as we see them in, like, some of the media out there? Uh, and, and how do these sorts of things actually affect Jewish students? Sure. So the issue you're referring to um, is uh, focused around, if not based around, a professor named Dr. Jordan Peterson, who is a clinical psychologist who works out of the University of Toronto. Um, and I wouldn't be able to really comment too much on that issue. I'm not very familiar with the laws um, nor the specific bill that he was talking about. Um, I've read a lot of the commentary in our national and local media, and I think that there is uh, varying perspectives on whether he is fully correct or not. Um, but I can definitely say that when it comes to that issue connecting to Jewish students, for example, it isn't a um, heavy hitter, so to speak. I wouldn't say that it affects the vast majority of our students. There definitely are a number of students, especially those who are part of the trans community or the LGBTQ plus community, um, who feel um, that it does uh, impact what they um, what they feel on campus. But in general, I wouldn't say it's an issue that is widespread across uh, campuses in Canada, uh, definitely not in Ontario. So I was kind of but, giving in that um, as an example of one of these things which comes up under this umbrella that you see. It's called like identity politics or... Uh, you know, snowflakes or whatever that you know there's a gazillion terms are there, out there about what actually is going on on campuses so I, was, I was kind of getting a sense about uh, broadly where do you feel the pulse of the campus is at i think the vast majority of jewish students whether part of hillel or not uh, enjoy a very vibrant and uh, strong jewish community on campus they also enjoy a very um, robust experience on campus outside of the Jewish community. Um, I would say that there's a small percentage of our um, students on some of our campuses, maybe most of our campuses, um, who feel ostracized over their connection to Israel, their specific um, political views, and their um, advocacy towards Israel. Um, challenges do exist, but to say that you know campus is on fire would be um, just incorrect. And I think that the community uh, view, at least the community here in Toronto, uh, views campus in a different light than they would see it if they were actually on our campuses a little bit more often. Uh, one of our campuses that gets the most attention is York University, uh, and in the past it's gotten negative attention in the Jewish community for various um, things, some very much warranted and some not in my opinion. And I think that the um, overarching uh, line that I would give you is that if the Jewish community on campus feels strong about their community, then that is already the beginning of a win in our books. When issues come up, I and the team that I work with, we're nearly 40 total staff across the province, um, we work very diligently to deal with those issues. We are supported by Federation um, and the Center for Israel Jewish Affairs, which is the advocacy agent for the um, Federated Jewish Communities. We work very diligently to deal with these issues. And when we do, we don't do so with a strong fist through the door approach, so to speak. We do so very much trying to make relationships where we need them, to make uh, the connections with administrators, faculty, and university presidents um, as, uh, as commonly we rely on. And generally, we try to make relationships with student unions, with other clubs, and generally just build coalitions wherever we're able to do so. Um, there are challenges on campus to be able to do 
um, to uh, to implore those tactics. But I wouldn't say that everything is as challenging as you might read in the media. Uh, of course, the media wants to pay attention to the negative, and I wish sometimes we pay a little bit more attention to the positive because there are amazing positive things going on uh, on our campuses, but I know across North America as well. Now, you know, you are someone who is, I think technically, if I'm not mistaken, still a millennial, but sort of like an old millennial, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that's a if that's a category in old millennial, but but there is a lot of talk in the Jewish world about let's call them young millennials, young people, their connection to the community, the connection to Israel. Where do you see that at in 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 Canada in general? Are are Jewish students connected? Or is it a challenge to get them involved? I would say that apathy is one of the biggest issues facing the Jewish community, probably all over the world, but definitely here in Canada. Um, I think that there is a sense of um, resentment from some students to be engaged with the Jewish community, um, at least on campus. I think that uh, there are a number of um, young people, millennials, who view Federation as an outdated form of um, definitely advocacy, but probably also uh, the you know Jewish day school program they feel is outdated. Uh, I think there is a fair amount of apathy from the Jewish millennials in today's world, at least here in Canada. Um, I wouldn't want to speak on all of their behalf, but from my perspective, um, I went to Jewish day school until the end of the sixth grade, and then afterwards I attended a uh, non-secular uh, school. And I got integrated into a world that wasn't just Jewish students or pro-Israel um, students in my high school. And I got a, a much more what I would consider a worldly perspective on um, the reality that I live in. When Jewish students tend to leave um, CHAT, which is our Jewish uh, high school here in Toronto, uh, or really the Jewish day school program, they are thrust into a world where they get to explore things beyond the so-called Jewish-Israel bubble. And I think that that bubble has created apathy from some students to be able to re-engage with the Jewish community once they are able to leave that bubble. I don't really know what the answer would be. I know that we generally in the community face um, issues such as organizations that are uh, very against federated uh, community um, approaches or uh, you know, against birthright, for example, or things of that nature. I'm not sure that that community really makes up a huge percentage of the uh, students that we're talking about or the millennials we're talking about, but there clearly is a need for change. The question is what kind of change is needed. And I think that if more millennials, definitely more of our students were able to come to the table and give us their perspective, um, which we're really here to listen to, um, then the Jewish community would be much better suited for sustainability in the future. The, um, the the apathy is real, but we do our best to fight it um, through our direct engagement with professionals. We have at least two professionals on every one of our campuses. Some campuses have even as much as five professionals. And they're there full-time staff who work with students on, again, engagement, education, and advocacy to be able to put forward the kind of Jewish life on campus that those students want to see. Uh, and it doesn't have to be our most engaged students. It doesn't have to be our Hillel presidents, for example. It can be someone who walks through the door once or twice, has been to maybe a bagel lunch, and has some great ideas for programs we can do. And we're always here to listen. And where we're able to implement them, we will do our best to do so. Does that also not talk 
uh, to the education that they're getting in in the Jewish day of schools. Uh, that they, you know, obviously are exposed to Jewish stuff, but particularly on Israel, that the education is uh, perhaps not as deep as it can be, or or perhaps doesn't uh, take into account how uh, they will be experiencing anti-Israel attitudes once they once they get onto campus. Is there a need for us to sort of increase uh, the way we teach it or in, improve the way we teach Israel studies at a at a, tertiary, at, a at a high school level? Yes, I, I would say definitely that is the case, um, probably across the board, although I'm not familiar with any community beyond my own. Um, I think the, the, the subtle problem has been that um, Jewish educators, when it comes to Israel, have been timid, to say the least, about dealing with the issue of the West Bank and the uh, Palestinian people. Um, I'm not going to put any labels on it because I wouldn't want to speak for anyone in the community. And I should reiterate here that my role is not uh, as an engage, uh, engagement or education staff. My role is in advocacy. So I, I wouldn't be able to talk too much to the education system. What I would say is I think if students came into campus with a bit more knowledge when it came to Israel, its foundation, and generally the political issues that are um, – what Israelis and Palestinians face today, their reality, I think that they would have a more holistic perspective and would be able to talk about Israel in their, in their own eyes um, from a much more educated place. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, you can't advocate without being educated. And so the more we increase our education and the more we step into areas that might make our community uncomfortable but are necessary to be part of the whole conversation, I think the uh, better set for success we will be in the future. Absolutely fascinating. We're talking to Ilan Orzi. Uh, he is from uh, Hillel, Ontario, and uh, he is chatting to us about what is it like to be a Jewish student in Canada. We'll take a short break and we'll come back just after this. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. We're back with 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. And we're talking all the way today in Canada, finding out what it's like to be a Jewish student there uh, and uh, what is it that, that people do in Canada. Uh, is, is it very cold where you are? You know, fortunately, it isn't at the moment. In the middle of uh, July and August, it gets quite warm. I think today we're nearing 30 degrees Celsius. Uh, the humidity is definitely uh, affecting us, but, uh, you know, soon we'll be complaining about the cold, so... Yeah. <laughs> and and why do people uh, who are students, I mean, is Ontario considered to be a good student town? Is it a place where people want to send their kids to, to, to go to university? Yeah, so our province uh, is quite a large province um, in terms of people. Um, we are probably the more popular province in the country, although I'm sure my friends in Quebec and other places might uh, have something else to say about that. But, um, you know, Toronto is uh, Canada's largest uh, city. We have a little bit uh, over 188,000 Jewish uh, people in Toronto. And um, we, we have a very sustained community. When it comes to our universities, however, um, Hillel, Ontario supports students on nine universities. Only three of those are actually in the city. Uh, so one of our universities, Queen's, uh, Queen's University, is about two and a half hours to the east of Toronto, 
And then we have uh, five university campuses that we deal with spreading to the west of Toronto, which are somewhere in the range of an hour to two and a half hour drive uh, to the west. Um, now, some of those universities specialize in different things. For example, uh, engineering students tend to go to the University of Waterloo, which has a very robust engineering program. Uh, Carleton University, where I went in Ottawa, for example, which also is in Ontario, um, has a very robust journalism program. So if you're interested in that, you might go there. Uh, and a few of the schools have law schools or medical schools uh, that are specific to those universities. But generally, Ontario uh, secondary education is seen as um, some of the highest in terms of institutions in the country. Now, Canada is quite interesting in that it has almost across the board what one could popularize as a pro-Israel position, right? So unlike, say, our country where no one wants to really identify as being pro-Israel except for you know, a small group of opposition parties, in Canada you'll actually have arguments where the Prime Minister will stand up and say he's sick and tired of uh, the opposition saying he's not pro-Israel enough, he's very pro-Israel, uh, and that the opposition should stop making it an issue because they're not actually pro-Israel. And pretty much everyone in the parliament is on the level that uh, we should all be pro-Israel. Uh, so I'm interested in that context about what it means to do advocacy on a campus uh, and drive an Israel narrative. Like, like how are the challenges uh, when you're working in what seems to be a, a generally, um, uh, you know, fairly supportive environment from a political perspective? Sure. Um, so maybe I'll paint the political picture from a, a federal perspective first, and I'll get to the students. Federal meaning um, the whole country. So that's correct, okay. yeah. So um, so Canada has three major political parties, the Conservative Party on the right of the spectrum, the Liberal Party to the centre, slightly to the left of the spectrum, and the NDP standing for the New Democratic Party, similar to a Labour Party, which is Canada's uh, more lessening party. Um, it needs to be said, though, that our political spectrum is not very large. Uh, most of our um, political issues centre around economy, um, we have had uh, many debates in the last couple of years around immigration um, and um, more on the provincial and municipal level. There's other debates, but on a federal level, the uh, political spectrum is quite small compared to most other countries. Um, and just as an example of that, Canada's former prime minister, Stephen Harper, who was the leader of the Conservative Party, uh, would be considered to the left of Hillary Clinton, uh, just as an example. So um, when we talk about politics in Canada, it's a very different conversation than what you might be used to in other places. Well, hang on, I, I have to interrupt you there. In other words, you're saying to me that the guy who was the right-wing prime minister of Canada was to the left of Hillary Clinton, who's kind of a Democrat. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yes, but the reason I say that is because of specific policies that she has endorsed and he has endorsed or you know haven't endorsed uh, either way. Okay. I mean, that's not to say that the Democratic Party is further to the right than the Conservative Party. That's just to show that our spectrum relies more heavily on economic-related issues than in the United States when there might be issues uh, more relating to social life and things of that matter. Just as an example, um, again, the Conservative Party is the furthest right party in Canada, at least in the major parties, um, and has adopted a stance in favor of um, gay marriage, for example. Um, That is not something you see from most uh, Conservative parties around the world, at least uh, to my knowledge. Um, and when it does come to um, other issues, you would consider the Conservative Party to be further um, to the right just because of the name, but they do tend to be quite centered when it comes to uh, various social conservative policies. 
Uh, that's not to say we don't have social conservatives within the conservative party, but the mandate of the party um, is a little closer to the center than some other parties, for example, the Republican Party, or I, I'm not sure about the political spectrum in South Africa, but I know the um, right-wing party in Australia would be very far to the right compared to the conservative party here in Canada. Um, and I want to just caveat that all by saying uh, and letting your audience know that I did work for that party, uh, or at least for the government of that party for a little while, so my bias should be clearly stated uh, in this interview. No, I'm um, sure that now, we're not going to have the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Association checking up <laughs> and seeing uh, what we, if you're if you're uh, uh, not telling us that. But okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> so so that's the context. Um, now okay. you asked about how it comes down to students' politics. Yeah. So I think um, at most universities have um, two of the major parties in a club form. So there's the Young Liberal Club, for example, or the Campus Conservative Club. And uh, some universities, although not all universities, which I think is uh, a detriment to our political spectrum, um, don't really have a um, young NDP party, for example. Actually, it was a Jewish student who started the one at York University uh, recently, and then he um, ran for the provincial um, seat for the NDP in his riding. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't win, but I do need to say that he came very, very uh, far from being a, I believe he's 22 or 23, um, from, from a fourth-year university student. He ran for provincial politics against a very strong conservative incumbent. And I think uh, as much as he didn't uh, make it to the finish line, he should be given all the respect for having run in the first place, but getting so much of the vote considering the um, the staunch right um, views of that particular riding. And so I just want to give him, Ezra Tannen, a shout-out for that. Um, if I think we had more students, especially in the Jewish community, but if we had more students on campus who um, were engaged in politics in general, that might give a better feel for um, political life on campus. But because there since seems to be more of a bipartisanship than a multipartisanship on campus, that can create some issues uh, generally. When it comes to Israel, thankfully, um, all of the three major parties have a pro-Israel stance on their um, books, so to speak. Um, the former leader of the NDP, whose name is Tom Mulcair, uh, he spoke very uh, prominently about Israel many different times. Uh, Justin Trudeau has spoken against BDS and very much in favor of Israel many times. And the current leader of the Conservative Party, whose name is Andrew Scheer, uh, has also been a very staunch supporter of Israel. Uh, we in Canada do not suffer from having many politicians be um, very, very anti-Israel. There are some that exist, um, and you know it is unfortunate to see that. But to say that we are at a detriment in terms of our political spectrum would just be incorrect. Um, having said that, when it comes down to more particular issues, you are correct. Israel can become a wedge issue in Canada, and unfortunately that does become um, somewhat of a political issue on campus, although a little less so because, as I said, students tend to be a little less politically engaged, especially if it's not an election year. Um, so while that might be a wedge issue um, that politicians use against each other in uh, the House of Commons federally, as you uh, sort of alluded to, I would say that that's not a very systemic issue we see with students, at least not today. Um, and I would, uh, I would, I would say that that's a that's a good thing. Once we see Israel being used as a wedge issue, I think it's uh, a detriment to the pro-Israel community. But Jewish students on campus who are pro-Israel Zionist in any way, shape, or form um, should feel, and in my opinion, do feel. Um, supported and free to express those views. And where they don't, myself and partners that I work with work diligently to make sure that those issues are addressed. But those issues are far in between 
the um, regular day-to-day life of pro-Israel and Zionist students on campus. Well, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview this issue of apartheid weeks and uh, sort of boycott resolutions by student governments, and you, you sort of alluded to the idea that they were maybe starting to decrease in Canada uh, and that, it, uh, that, that this, the debate had kind of moved moved on, at least from a tactical perspective. So maybe it would be a good time to chat about that so that we can get a sense, because certainly I know Jewish students in South Africa, this is not a fun time for them, apartheid weeks. Uh, you know, they don't always feel supported, etc. Uh, not from the community, but just, you know, because the campuses themselves get quite uh, quite hot. So, you know, I'd be interested to hear, yeah. uh, you know, what, what you think about that. Yeah, so uh, we'll start with Israel apartheid week. So, yes, it is a Canadian invention, um, and it is something we see um, in other places of the world now. Uh, in terms of, I'll speak specifically about Ontario, because that's really my area of expertise here, but... Um, uh, every year, I'd say we see it on maybe four of our nine campuses. Um, and the most uh, prominent display in the last two years since I've been working here was at Queen's University where they held a, a mock checkpoint as if, uh, you know, the um, student area or the uh, sidewalk rather was the West Bank and these uh, anti-Israel students were pretending to be IDF soldiers holding up uh, people to, you know, get into class or whatever. Um, the total exhibit, which I think lasted most of the day, if not the entire day, um, probably saw about 10 to 20 students um, actually engage with it. Um, to say that Israel Apartheid Week is a huge issue that we need to be dealing with, I'm not saying it's, it's not something we need to keep our eye on, but it definitely isn't the top of my list in terms of priorities. It's not the thing that's really changing that many um, uh, people's perspectives on campus. And really, to, to focus this conversation, I want to just... Um, make one thing clear. The target audience for Israel advocacy um, from our students is not the anti-Israel students. It's the movable middle in the middle of the campus who are quite apathetic, but are sort of sitting in the middle of the field, and we want to bring them closer to our side rather than let them walk to the other side. Um, and it's not so much a competition, I would say. It's more of a, um, a debate of values. And once students sort of see that Israel and Canada share common values, share very important common values, in fact, um, they realize that Israel isn't the demon place that those anti-Israel students make it out to be. Any student that actually travels to Israel, and we have various um, programs that help take non-Jewish students to Israel so they can see it for themselves, once they get there, they see the reality. They see the reality that you and I both saw about a month ago. They see the reality that I have lived through. They see the reality that many um, birthright participants have seen and many realities that they might not have seen. Uh, they get to see a lot of things that they wouldn't know about just from hearing the dialogue from the other side. And so my target audience when we run is advocacy programming or campaigns is not to target those who have already made up their minds on the other side. It's to target those who haven't. And I believe... Um, anecdotally, of course, but I believe that we are making strides to bring those people further to our side through engagement programs and advocacy programs and education programs that relate to their interests. And as I said, coalition building is our, our most important tool here. If I can make a coalition with um, a club, for example, uh, one of our strongest um, supporters is the Kurdish community on campus. And if I'm able to um, connect with the Kurdish community and we hold uh, an event where we learn about their culture and they learn about ours, already we've made some friends. And so when it comes battle time, so to speak, where there's a, you know, maybe a BDS resolution on the table, we have friends to rely on. And it's important to put those proactive advocacy measures in place so that our students 
understand what the campus culture is like, who their friends are and who maybe not their friends are, and um, can understand that when it comes time to get into the mud, so to speak, we are there for that community as hopefully that community will be there for us. Now, that's Israel Apartheid Week. In terms of BDS resolution, um, again, we have nine campuses here in uh, Hill, Ontario, and only three of which have passed uh, BDS resolutions, at least at the undergraduate level. Um, that was actually before my time in this role. Uh, but since I have become part of Hill, Ontario, there have been two um, BDS battles, and both of which we have won. Um, one was at a college, a very small part of a university that has about 3,500 students and um, was not able to meet the quorum of the vote. So to show um, that, you know, the students are really engaged in what BDS is just clearly isn't the case because not even a third of the community of that school came out to even come to the vote. Um, in the other case, it was a school that's a little bit more focused um, on, uh, on engineering and uh, business opportunities. And when we showed that BDS um, resolutions like this would take away their opportunities to have exchange programs in Israel, for example, they realized that this was to their detriment, not just to the detriment uh, of the rest of the campus community and the Jewish community on campus. Uh, we are able to show students that BDS is not about peace and it's not about a real solution to what's happening in the Middle East. We're able to show them that it's simply an anti-Israel and, in effect, anti-Semitic hate fest. And what I say to our students is, BDS is definitely anti-Semitic in its effect, if not in its intent. If the students feel that they are being targeted for being Jewish on campus or at a BDS resolution, that, that is something that we've seen on other campuses as well. Thankfully, we know how to deal with those issues, and those issues are less and less as the years go on. Um, but BDS, of course, is something we keep our eye on and is something that we uh, worry about. But thankfully, no university um, administration has endorsed BDS, which is really the key here. While student unions might be able to pass their resolutions, student, er, university administrators and presidents and faculty members realize that this isn't an answer. This isn't a pro-peace initiative, and they're able to see that from a larger perspective than maybe a student union would be able to. It's very, very interesting. Uh, Ilan, I, I want to ask you uh, sort of one final thing on this political aspect of how campus works. Uh, would you say that the students that are, let's say, the most anti-Israel, okay, they're, they're one set of students, but you talk about the movable middle. Now, is this movable middle people who just have no knowledge of Israel uh, but are also involved with campus politics, or do they also happen to be people who are – uh, you know, apathetic and being in the middle. So kind of what I'm asking is, does it help to target middle people if they're not also influential? Yes, I, I definitely understand. So um, the answer to that question is a simple yes. It is more advantageous to be targeting students in the movable middle who are the pushers and shakers, so to speak, the movers and shakers. Um, the influential students are a key aspect to um, having great relations with other clubs and so forth on campus. But those influencers don't need to be very politically engaged. They can be engaged into something very specific, for example, mental health campaigns on campus. Um, those aren't political, um, because I'm not sure there's anyone out there who's really anti-mental health, um, but really those campaigns require someone who can drive that force forward. And with those driving forces, the more relationships we make, the better. Now, there's another element to the movable middle, which is the apathetic side, as you talked about. And I think that that makes up the more, the, the, the bigger com, uh, component of the movable middle. And those students 
may not have ever even met a Jew in their life. Um, but they probably have heard of what Israel is just from the news, and they've probably heard um, some general things about our community, um, but they don't have enough to really make an informed opinion, nor do I really believe they want to make an informed opinion. I think they're more interested in whatever they are interested in themselves, and that is a personal element to each member of that movable middle, but I wouldn't say that there is a um, big political factor to the movable middle. There is, There does seem to be a fair amount of um, liberal and uh, conservative-leaning students who fit that mold, but anyone who is truly involved in politics, the you know so-called nerds of the campus, and I definitely was one in my age, um, those students probably have made a uh, opinion at some point because politics is all about making your opinion and making your opinion known. Um, and once we are able to find those students, even if their opinion doesn't match 100% with ours, we can at least talk with them and have great discussions with them and hopefully hold programs together or at least invite them to our program so they can better understand our side and hopefully we can better understand their side. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a more clear understanding of our side and their side that will lead, in my opinion, to success in this field on campus. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. And uh, trying to get uh, all the different students around the table so that they can have a, a conversation, which kind yeah, of absolutely. brought me back to the whole identity politics, which I asked you at the first part, because my, my, the sense was was that, that students kind of, there was less talking going on uh, in general, which uh, seemed to might, maybe be hampering the ability to do the kind of work that you do. Yeah, um, I think identity politics is something we keep our eye on. And there is various forms of identity politics that play um, on the field in campus politics around Israel, but it isn't something I would say is the most um, daunting or harmful uh, piece of the community. It's really something that we can play into. It's something that we can be involved with if we find the right partners. And I think that if more people were um, less afraid, let's say, of intersectionality, for example, or they were less afraid to engage with a side that has expressed some negative comments about um, what they see in the media about Israel, I think we're able to um, deal with those problems a little bit better. And it's sort of having a more open mind that uh, we need from not only our students, but also the professionals I work with, um, Jewish community professionals in general, and really professionals on campus such as administration and faculty members and student union leaders. The more open-minded people can be, the less identity politics is an issue, but rather an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fascinating. You know, and that's pretty much all the time we have uh, for the show today. Uh, I know that you uh, have a South African connection. You, know, you're, you're, you have uh, uh, some, some parents that came from here, and you've just uh, recruited some South Africans uh, to some of your hillel. So if there were South African students who happen to be passing by the neighborhood who suddenly want to maybe go to Queen's University, uh, could, how do they get hold of you guys and see what kind of work you do? Absolutely. So they can visit our website at hilloontario.org. Uh, our Facebook pages, we have one per Hillo, and we also have one for Hillo Ontario in general. Uh, and I will be happy to take any emails directly to me, which is elon.orzi at hilloontario.org. Uh, I really encourage any students, especially the South Africans, because I love meeting South Africans, I especially encourage them to connect with the Hillo, even if they're not interested in going to a Hillo dinner or a bagel lunch or even coming out and being part of our advocacy programs. It's good just to have someone on campus who you know is there, who you can rely on in times of need, and who can just be partners for thought uh, as it goes down the road. University time is a stressful time 
for, I think, everyone. And it's important to have a good support staff um, and support network on campus. And we're very, very, very proud to be able to offer that um, support network to Jewish students across our campus. Fantastic. Well, Ilan, keep up the great work. Sounds like uh, you have a, a, a good job that you're doing there. And uh, we appreciate it even down here in South Africa. So uh, uh, best of luck. And uh, hopefully we can chat to you again soon if there's something uh, Canadian that happens. I don't know, you run out of maple syrup or, uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge problem with people being impolite to one another or something. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely be in contact. Yes, those terrible issues we will definitely deal with. It's great, been great to talk to you, Benji. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Ilan Ozzi there. He is from Hillel, Ontario, joining us on the New Blue Review. Well, that brings us to the end of the show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for Mandy, who does the producing on the show, and to Vusi, who pushes all the big red buttons here in the sound studio. And thank you to you, listener, for tuning into the new Blue Review. And we'll be back next week with some more interesting culture and current affairs in the Jewish community. See you then.